What up? This is Myron, and you are listening or watching the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. That down on the docks on the other side of the tracks, five-star dive bar Mariners podcast. That you're listening to or watching wherever you're getting it. Look, I'm not going to judge you where you're getting it as long as you're liking, subscribing, and sharing the love of the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. I got Hannah with me up in Edmonds. We're happy to do this episode. We are pumped up that... The hot stove, we're turning that hot stove off. We got some real baseball to talk about on today's episode. We are riffing a little bit about uh, the Super Bowl and this and that and just kind of getting, touching touching base with one another. Um, I haven't talked to Hannah in about a week, so this was fun to get together. And we are focusing on, on this episode, kind of focus more on the outfield. We're talking about the corner outfield positions and the people fighting for maybe those fourth and fifth outfield spot that's our focus for today's episode anyways hanno you know what time it is get ready to play hardball in the kingdom take me to the ball game i want to see the ants Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom. Well, Hanno, we've made it. We've made it. We've made it to the point of our podcast uh, here on season three where we get to turn off this goddamn hot stove and actually see some baseball, at least some practicing of baseball in a group, in one spot, coaches, pitchers, catchers. Seems like a lot of the Mariners have already reported down there. How's it feel to be at this actual point right now? Yeah, I'm excited to watch and see uh, what type of season these guys are going to have. Start recognizing guys that I haven't seen much of, you know, and uh, yeah, looking a lot real forward to it. I'm excited to see what numbers all these new people are going to be. You know, it's yeah, going to that... kind of be like little league. I don't know. They just throw a bag out there with the numbers and you kind of just. Yeah. Numbers are a big deal. Um, if a guy has a kind of a quirky or odd number, I mean, it can, it really throws me off on them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, when you were in Little League and stuff like that on Jersey Day, you know, you already knew what you were going for. Oh, most definitely. Every sport I played, when they had, had them out, I, I had my, you know, one through three choices, depending on where I was as far as seniority, no doubt. Yeah, I mine was more about, like, what fit. I was kind of uh, fluctuating and wait when i was around there but that's back before you could just buy custom jerseys like oh i don't like my jersey well you can just buy another it was a it was a different game it was like all the leftover jerseys from you know years and years past yeah everything was recycled through year after year same here you know it's not where you had to pay a bunch of money and you get a jersey included like it sounds like you're telling me now how it is for the kids yeah, well, and you could play in like five different leagues for the kids. Back when we played, you had Little League, and then you just went to the park and you played nonstop. Yeah, 
I know sometimes I always go, man, I wish I would have had all these other leagues that we could have played in. And I was like, you know what? We were down there getting just as many reps, but not no, not as many instructional hours like the kids get today. Oh, for sure. My only regret is not having uh, the uh, turf that all the kids have now to play on. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, you know, I don't think they're really going to ever realize what a mud ball is. Oh, man, you just jogged my memory. That's like when Coach brought out the new pearls for BP. Otherwise, you'd have game waterlogged balls. And those are, oh, yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, growing up playing ba- baseball in Seattle, like the first time you actually hit a pearl in a game and you drill it, you're like, <laughs> oh, my God, I didn't feel nothing. You look like I think that's the best hit of the year you get. Because you're just hitting through that heavy ball. You're just swinging through that ball. Yeah, that new uh, Pearl, man, it was like hitting a racquetball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what is really good about the NFL and their expanded playoffs and baseball with their expanded playoffs? Now it's what? Not even a week? It's a few days in between one to the other, literally passing the baton. I know we got basketball and you got hockey. Those two kind of just run together. But baseball and football are the yin and the yang, I still feel like, in American sports. Oh, for sure. I mean, I feel like it's. it feels like there was a little bit longer of a break in between uh, the Super Bowl and the guys reporting. But maybe I'm just getting older and things are – coming together closer i have no idea it was three days <laughs> two or three day, day, two or three days super bowl real quick we're not gonna spend too much time on it here uh what do you think what are your takeaways i enjoyed the game i thought it was an incredible game um first half you know maybe was slow for some people but i love i like the slug the slog of them trying to go against each other's defense. I mean, these guys were flying around and cracking. I, I enjoyed the game. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I see. I was uh, protesting it, but then I ended up watching the entire second half. The usher usher drew me in. Um, but I, <laughs> I do have to say, I got into it like right before the second half and I was watching for about five, six, seven minutes. And I was like, what in the fuck kind of fonts are they using on the screen? What is going on with the weird (laughs) graphics? And then the entire end zone was slimed. And I was like, okay. And it just kept on going. I thought, okay, maybe like Nickelodeon paid for like one little thing or something like that. And it just kept going on and on. And I realized I was watching the Nickelodeon feed for the last what three minutes of the second half or first half when I, when I had first jumped into it. I know that's so funny. I was dying when you told me that it was so fucking weird. Um, but the weirdest part of that happened for me was that I was actually found myself and got to be honest here, just like you were honest that you were praying to all the gods that we got Carlos Randon years ago. Uh, I have something to admit. I was actually rooting for the 49ers, which is, I know, sacrilege. But that's how much I cannot stand the Chiefs, mainly the Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey shit. And I felt so dirty and so wrong rooting for the Niners 
And then, of course, they come up short for me the one time I've ever rooted for them. That's funny because I was doing the same thing. I went to a good friend's house, and they both of those guys were pulling for the Chiefs, and they were surprised that I was going for the Niners. And I, it wasn't that I was going for them per se. It was just that I thought they were going to win the game. So they were, uh, they, they were definitely giving it to me as far as when the Niners would you know, make a mistake or Purdy didn't look too well. But, yeah, I just kind of felt like between those two teams, I thought the Niners would win. So I, I hear what you're saying, though. But yours is maybe a little different. You were actually pulling for them, huh? I was. I I was actually – I quietly in my brain. I didn't make noises when things – I weren't like, yes, and this and that. But I was just sitting there constantly reminding myself – as soon as that happened, I was ready for baseball. Let's just say that. The World Series, where a pitch is not just a pitch, it's a World Series pitch. Where a hit is not just a hit, it's a World Series hit. A win is not just a win, it's a World Series win. Now you've got a chance to win a trip to the 1984 World Series by entering Major League Baseball's Grand Slam sweepstakes at all Major League ballparks and participating retailers. Baseball favor, catch it. The preceding message was furnished by Major League Baseball. I'll tell you what, I'm so excited about now just not having to do episodes that we're solely talking about frustrating stuff with the Mariners, frustrating stuff with the front office, but there, it'll still be there. But now we got the rest of the media turning towards baseball. We got stuff to read. We're actually getting real information going on. Uh, now we're just what praying for health. Yeah, the way this team is constructed, it, yeah, that's got to be the number one thing going into uh, spring training is can these guys stay healthy for, you know, all of spring training and then 162. So it just seems like this year, though, the health is going to be so in the, like, in the magnifying glass because a lot of these people that the Mariners traded for and acquired – all of them have a track record of injury or not playing because of some sort oh. of circumstances and nagging injuries and, and some with bad luck. Absolutely. I mean, when I think of Mitch Hanniger, I think of bad luck. Um, him, you know, getting hit in the testicle that one year, missing a bunch of time. Um, him then after leaving the Mariners signing with the giants and, taking a fastball off, off his wrist and never really recovering and getting injured. He's still snake bitten right away, but his whole career has been like that. And, you know, we, you, another acquisition, Mitch Garver, he hasn't played that much. I don't think he's played over a hundred games in his career. If I'm correct, I like, I at least know he didn't play that last year. And then you he, mentioned Rayleigh one time, one time he's played over a hundred, but barely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, it's a huge question mark and for the Mariners to basically turn over the roster. And then so many of the guys that they picked up have had these questions. Polanco was hurt last year. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a big deal. Well, Polanco and Hanniger, 
not me or you being cynical about it. We're just going like, you, I hope you prove us wrong. I hope they're all healthy. And like we've said this before, where on the blunt rotation are we with these players? As far as uh, Hanniger and as far as Polanco, two former All-Stars, it seems like they have these rotations of monster years, shortened years, whether it was because of a suspension or injuries or COVID or whatever. And then they have this monster year and then they kind of have a couple. If you go through their track record, it's, it's very, it's a definite pattern. And I feel like we're, if that stays true, if that theory of mine stays true, we're going to get a good year out of those two. Yeah. I mean, certainly with Hanager, knowing that he is not the guy that we're relying on in that three or four hitter three or four hole hitter to uh, produce like he has in the past. Um, you know, they have some depth this year, which is nice guys that can spell him out in right field. He can rotate maybe a DH too. So I'm sure hopefully that'll help him unless he gets snake bitten and gets hit in the elbow or the arm with a 90 mile an hour fastball. Yeah. And as far as the platoon going, it looks like can zones, the front runner or, you would assume he's going to be back on the team starting with the roster up in Seattle against Boston. But you also have Taylor Trammell, I know, uh, and you, but you also have Sam Haggerty. I know we we're, we know, uh, but we also have Cade Marlowe. Now Cade Marlowe showed us some stuff last year. Uh, showed us some, some great moments, maybe one of the season turning definitely Fatal blow, I would say, to the Anaheim Angels. So I'm always going to love them for that. They ne they never recovered after that series one or game game one in that four game series. About to put the Mariners away, grand slam. Uh, Cade Marlowe had a nice little run, and then he started to slump. But to be fair, it was starting to get crowded out there in the outfield, and then that probably that gray cloud of Jared Kelnick coming back was over that. We also have. Uh, Jonathan Class A, interesting to see what he's going to look like down in um, spring training. You know, I think he set some record with like since like from 1961 in the minor leagues. They there hasn't been a player that's hit 20 home runs and stole 79. I think over 60 bases, but he stole 79 bases. Interested to see what's going to go on there for that those fourth and those fifth outfield spots because if I'm them going off of the track record of all the other people outside of Julio, you know, if you get your game right, you're going to get some playing time this year. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I agree with you. I'm a, I like Marlowe a lot. Plays great defensively. Gets a pretty good jump on the ball is solid out there. Um, and, and was stroking for times um, during the season last year, but yeah, kind of, fell out of grace with either service or and he was slumping too a little bit but i like him um you mentioned haggerty we all know about him Tramel. it's going to be interesting for Tramel this year i saw he was at driveline i believe he's out of options so yes um, um so that's going to be interesting unless uh he doesn't get picked up and decides to go stay with the mariners or what have you or, I mean, he makes the team then, too. But, yeah, and then Class A, he's a very interesting young player on the 40-man roster who, like you mentioned, had incredible minor league statistics. And uh, kind of what I've heard about him is, yeah, he could maybe threaten 
uh, to make the squad if he has an unbelievable spring. Otherwise, um, kind of projected in double A, but possibly triple A as well. And someone we could see this year, if not in the beginning of the year later on. So, yeah, it is that's kind of going to be interesting to see how that unfolds for those outfield positions. Yeah, and I'd also like to mention, too, invited to camp is Smith and Jigba's brother. Uh, God. You know? You know? Saw, saw a video of him. I know it's just batting practice fastballs, but woo, what a nice swing. Very impressed. That Yeah, that he's got a different him. body than his brother. Like a yeah. big, t- like totally different body than his brother. Yeah, that guy can drive the ball. And like I said, it's just BP fastballs in a cage. I don't know if he's got any timing or what his eye is, but man, sure looked good there. I mean, he could be a, you know, 530 hitter, but as we know, the game starts at 710. So um, we'll see what kind of hitter he is. That'll be interesting to see when he's facing live pitching, where the ball's moving on him and he doesn't know what's coming. Yeah. And you mentioned Taylor Trammell. You know, I've been, I was a Taylor Trammell guy. You were a Jared Kelnick guy uh, back when, we were competing or they, we were competing on which guy the Mariners should be having uh, on the team, you know, in 2021, it seemed like they were leaning towards Taylor Chamel 2022 is they're back towards Jared. Um, and then Taylor Chamel comes up for Jared. They both just have not panned out in different, different ways, but with Taylor Chamel, man, you always got to root for him because he's literally one of the nicest dudes you'll ever meet. Totally yeah. cool, totally nice. Everybody likes him. He's built like how you would just a prototype of a big power outfielder. He's got the speed, sometimes has some amazing plays in the field, sometimes some weird ones. Him and Teoscar Hernandez are kind of similar, you know, where it's it's great play, you feel great, and then there's kind of that like, well, what the heck just happened there? Um, and But at the plate, Big thing with him too, you know, we're getting away from that philosophy of uh, big swings and this and the strikeouts going for the home run, going for contact. It's gonna be interesting to see if he changes his approach that way because if this guy can start hitting line drives, slashing line drives, he's either gonna help this team or somebody's gonna want to get him. But you're right, he's out of options, and maybe that's what's the thing that's gonna change it when your back's up against the wall. Yeah, and in the beginning of our conversation, we talked about health, and he was snake bitten by health last year to start the year, hurt his hammock bone, you know, and never really recovered and really made any time with a big league squad other than a few call-ups because of injuries. So hopefully he stays healthy and he can uh, prove to be that player that you've always wanted him to be, no doubt. Also, too, about Marlowe last year, he did – what he was asked to do. He was up here to spell Jerry Kelnick. By the time Jerry Kelnick was coming back up, Dom Canzone was on the team. And yeah, he started to slump. So you wonder if it was a little bit of that longevity pressure or the pressure of knowing, hey, I'm I'm I was pretty comfortable in the spot I was in because they had no other option. You're, you're playing every day. You get in a little bit of a slump. And, you know, other people are coming up, that human part of it. And the first time being up in the major leagues like that uh, might have, you know, gotten to him. But he had a lot of big moments last year, whether it was base running, whether I think I know the home run was impressive, but there was a triple that he got last year that I just remember it was 
fucking awesome. It was like late in the game and the guy's fast and the guy can play in the outfield. I feel like him as a fourth or fifth outfielder. I think that's the step you want to see from him. You want to see him being on the team for a majority of the season and having those late inning impacts, subbing into games, uh, making uh, maybe even a start out in center field, giving Julio a day off at the DH position here and there, um, can play both corner outfields. I don't feel like he's any sort of liability in the outfield from what I've seen. No, you're right. I mean, he can steal you a base. Um, I, I, I'm a big fan of his. I hope he wins a job. Um, the only thing I worry about is, like, we have a lot of left-handers, you know, with Ray, Raw, Raleigh – or Rayleigh, excuse me, um, Canzone, and then him. But uh, depending on what kind of season we get from Ty France, we know that Rayleigh can play a lot of positions. Maybe he would be spelling Ty France at first, you know, and you go with an outfield of Marlowe in one corner and Canzone in the other. So there's definitely some options out there. But it seems like a lot of left-handed hitting um, from the bench as far as backup outfielders. But – you know, it's just kind of what it is. Um, and then we know about Sam, switch hitter. So, yeah, there's going to be some tough decisions to make for uh, Scott Service. Yeah, and and look, I wouldn't be against bringing in another proven outfielder. Uh, I wish we could have gotten another outfielder. And, and you know what I mean? If these other guys are healthy, it's – not necessary, but for me, I do feel like I would be more comfortable with a proven all-star level right-handed swinging outfielder. <laughs> but, you know, it would be nice to see a move for Randy Rosarena, but obviously we know what the asking price was going to be around the league to bring in another outfielder. You do have all these, you do have four, like three or four, I'd say three, maybe four outfielders where they're either rising or it's a shit get off the pot. You would think one of these people that we've mentioned right here. Yeah, I mean, I still feel the Mariners are still a bat short. And you mentioned a Rosarina guy that to trade forward. Uh, but, you know, that's why, you know, the Cody Bellingers and those type of players that have a little bit more of a track record, but cost you an arm and a leg would be really nice as far as an extra bat on this team but we know that's not going to happen but uh so like you said these guys are getting their opportunity and they got to taste a little bit of the big league life last year with Canzone and Marlowe making their debuts Tramel has gotten been up and down yo-yo in between here and AAA same with Haggerty so yeah it's their time that's for sure you know like I'm saying like you got four or five of them. You'd assume just out of the odds, one of them is going to make this big step. And yeah. if we see that happen, that's going to be huge. Supercross this weekend in the Kingdom. The Coorsbeers Supercross doubleheader. Get ready, Seattle, this Saturday night at 7 30 and Sunday afternoon at 2. The 1988 AMA Supercross Tour. Motorcycle Media on an incredible dirt battleground that treats man and machine the same way. With absolutely no respect. See the best. National champion Jeff Ward. Former champion Ricky Johnson. Tickets at all Ticketmaster locations, including the Bond, Tower Records, and Video, and participating Honda dealers. The Coors Beer Supercross. 
But anyways, that's our episode for today. We'll be back soon. Check us out on all of our socials. Hanno, with that being said, you know what fucking time it is. Charge.